Welcome to episode 189 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we're back this week with some more Justice League Unlimited, continuing the streak of, I'd say, pretty damn good episodes so far, or at least one of the two for me. I mean, they're both for me. <laughs> you know how much I love both Arthurian and Greek legends. I The nice thing about this is I had to do minimal research because I knew you would. I, I knew... <laughs> I spent a, a good time <laughs> you're, ready for these episodes. Your, your compulsion to know information about TV tropes, Arthurian legends, and Greek mythology far outweighs your lack of effort you want to put into this podcast, and I didn't have to do anything. I have to talk about it. I know you do. I can't not get into it. <laughs> it's really perfect for me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> if only every episode could be this stuff with those hey, things. I mean, next, week is, next week's all you. It is? With Batman singing. How is that in my wheelhouse? I don't know. I feel like it's more Casablanca than, than my tropes. What does that have to do with Casablanca? They sing by a piano. Yeah. It's moody. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. They don't do that in Kids Next Door. Do they not? I don't think so. Oh, you would know. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. So... But oh yeah, so this week we're covering uh, episode three, kid stuff, and episode four, Hawk and Dove. Yes. So uh, I mean, let's just let's just go right into it. I'm ready. All right, you ready? ready? <laughs> yeah. Where do you want me to start with this? All right. So starting off with kid stuff. So in this episode, uh, our our old friend slash enemy Mordred uses the amulet of first magic, which is the source of all magic on Earth. To banish all adults from the world, so Morgan Le Fay turns Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern into kids so they can return to Earth and defeat her son. Incredible. I have one big question for you. Why does this episode work? Like, why is it so good? This should be considered one of the worst episodes in all of the DCAU, and honestly, it's one of my favorites. Because these episodes always work. <laughs> I, I have a wait, list. Wait. I have a list. We'll get to it at the end of <laughs> at the end of this. But these kinds of like adults to kids or fountain of youth episodes yeah. are always good. They are? They are. I, I looked at the list. Okay. And I couldn't find one. They're also weirdly like only an American trope. Really? Um, yeah, you know, I have extensive anime history. This is true. Uh and even looking <laughs> through like a list of shows that introduced the fountain of youth trope, like almost no animes use this. Or like no Japanese animations use this as like a crutch, like American animation. Oh my gosh, American animation does. Is that just because in America we're we're obsessed with youth and uh, and are afraid of dying? Well, I think yes. <laughs> um, I think it's more like I feel like the Fountain of Youth is an American myth. I mean, I know it's it's mostly rooted in like Spain and Spanish yeah. and Western European stuff, but like a lot of accounts, it's in the Americas is where oh, the Fountain okay. of Youth and the City of Gold are. Most of the time, they're you know either separate or the same thing, mm -hmm. um, but it's either like just off of Florida is where some people have placed the Fountain of Youth, uh, which you know doesn't make any sense because <laughs> um, that's where the old go to die. <laughs> yes, it's where all the retirement centers are. Yeah, um, but yeah, there it's. I feel like it's a very American known trope above okay. anything else. I guess. I guess that's fair. I'd never. I guess I never really considered it outside of you know, like American lore mythology, but I suppose you're right. Like the the only other thing I've seen of late that used the Fountain of Youth was uh, Ducktales. I finally watched the third season yep. of Ducktales, and uh, I had to look it up real quick. But the Forbidden Fountain of the Foreverglades. That's good. Because um, I was trying to remember, is like is uh, 
Ponce de Leon, is he normally associated with the Fountain of Youth? That sounds right. I mean, I know that he was in that episode because he was also a lion, which was just brilliant. Very good. Yes. Well, because who's the who's the one associated with the City of Gold? I have no idea. Cool. Great. Yeah. You're... <laughs> we've, we've gone a step beyond the scope of what I prepared for. <laughs> That's like me asking you a James Bond question. Like, you should know this, Cameron. Why are you I asking should know, me? Okay, I guess you know I mythology and legends and shit very well. I'm trying well. to think of, like, all the lyrics from Road to El Dorado. Oh, please don't. We'll, we'll be here forever. <laughs> Absolutely forever. But, okay, so to clarify. Here's, our, here's <laughs> our guest, Elton John, <laughs> here to sing. To clarify for everyone, this episode doesn't actually use the literal fountain of youth. No. But this, this TV trope is referred to the fountain of youth as when older characters de-age down to young kids again. Yes. Or just younger in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but, it is so much fun. Th- I mean, this one, this one is really, really fun. And, and I, I was, cause I remember last week I was criticizing the, the intros, the little snippets of like the episode we get in the intros. Cause it tends to spoil things. So I watched very close. I'm like, wait, does the intro give away what happens? And it doesn't, it actually masks There's it very one cleverly. Shot it does. The Which, very last one in the montage is the kid green lantern in the green mech. Suit. Right. But it's, if, but you can you see him very briefly in the corner. You see Kid Green Lantern. Right, yeah, but he's inside the suit, so you don't yeah. see him full body. So there's really no shots that would make it obvious they're going to turn into kids. So that was very smart on their part. Because I do remember watching this when it aired, and that being a fun surprise. Like, I was not expecting... Because this is a very silly concept in a universe that's otherwise taken itself mostly fairly seriously, or at least... Uh, it had an earnest tone to it all the way through. And this is like kind of up there with Mr. Missy's picklick as like the most out there gonzo weird thing they've done. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing they did, which I was very glad because I didn't remember a lot of this episode besides mm-hmm. the, like that moment um, is the reason it, <clears throat> I think it worked so well and it didn't take itself seriously is with the de-aging. They also like de-age their personalities. Yes. Where, a lot of the times you see this trope, they're still adult mentally, mm-hmm. just in a kid body. You're right, yeah, and that's not the and case. And that would here. not have worked this way. Yeah, they have. You're right, yeah. They they have their 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 knowledge, understanding they do as adults, but they have been put into kid personas. Mm-hmm. They'll act like little kids. Yes. Which I think my they all do a really good job with this. I think my favorite though is that we finally get to see the super nerdy part of Green Lantern that we always know is behind the background, but he just buries deep down and tries to be the macho guy all the time yeah whereas this version he's got the glasses he's just always trying to come up with new constructs he can create how oh, happy how was... happy were you in this <laughs> the, the, his whole arc in this episode is coming up with the wildish and ridiculous constructs this would have this would be my problem if i ever got a green lantern ring yes is i couldn't i would never be able to decide on a single construct <laughs> you would be a terrible green lantern i would <laughs> it would have nothing to do with the situation <laughs> like you have boundless imagination, which should help, but it's like untethered, unrestrained. Well, it would be that the you know the one scene people shine a, a good light on from the Green Lantern movie mm-hmm. would be how I would work it out is when uh, Carol's falling and he turns, I think what the car into a giant Hot Wheels track for her. Do you not? Have I've you, never you, seen Green Lantern. Oh my gosh! Okay, it's the only good scene in the movie. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, either like a plane is crashing or a car is crashing and instead of like stopping it uh, Hal creates a giant Hot Wheels track to slowly slow the vehicle down that's amazing uh, which like takes up an entire roof 
Uh, and everyone's like, why didn't you just stop it? It's like, because you got to plug the Hot Wheels toys. That's why. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> you do. But okay, so, like, what, because you, you do raise a good point that they still have their, their personalities what about that works here in this episode? It's like I'm trying I'm try, I'm legitimately trying to answer this question of why does this episode work <laughs> when it shouldn't? Um I, I think, you know, it is a from an outside perspective, it is a kid's cartoon. Yeah. Kids seeing themselves save the day mm. is always a good okay. thing. Yeah. Um but it is it's kind of like what you just said. It's showing all the underlying feelings that are kind of blocked with adult problems Mm -hmm. we have green lantern showing off his creative side his nerdy side you have um wonder woman and batman having their kind of romance shining through Mm -hmm. uh which you know uh hal has uh, john has a great line of like you have 50 kinds of vision and you're still blind to that (laughs) yeah because superman just doesn't see what's going on yeah (laughs) he's just a good old boy Mm -hmm. uh i think there's one line at the end which kind of I, I'm kind of upset with a little bit, and it's uh, Batman being like, I haven't been a kid since I was eight. Oh, because there's a huge buzzkill in the whole episode? Yeah, but like when yeah. he's a kid, he's fun. Like, he's a fun kid. He's he's still the serious one. Yeah. Um, but I think because he doesn't have, like, you can't be brooding with a high-pitched voice like that. No, you can't. And I think the other three kind of play on that joke. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, having the, the joke that, a girl's mature faster and Wonder Woman being slightly taller than everyone else. Yeah. She's she, fully rubbing it in. Yeah. She's a little bit taller than everyone. And she just takes charge all the time. Yeah. She's like, all of you shut up. We're here's what we're going to do. Don't fight me on this. And everyone's like, okay. Well, cause it would also make sense that she's been training since she was a child. Yeah. So that's she true. would have the most experience at that point. Yeah. She's also the oldest. Yes. She's an immortal. Mm. So with that point, uh, my flaw with this, with this episode. Yeah. Mordred's wording for the spell was get rid of everyone who is older than me. Yes. Mordred is roughly 1,500 years old. Yeah, I I guess we're we're going with his artificially stagnated age. age. Yes. Because I was trying to think who would actually be teleported to the other dimension. It would pretty much just be Morgan, Etrigan, and Vandal. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the Themyscarians. Because even if you think about how it ends, where... Batman tricks him into aging himself up. Mm-hmm. Then he disappears. But based on the, like the the literal interpretation of the wish, right. that's just the new age, and anyone older than him would disappear. But you know, he it, his it should reset to his new age, but it doesn't. It, right. You know. So it's you know, or like it's a little bit weird because the the kids are the kid versions of themselves. To your point, like the, the eight year old versions. But they still have all of the memories and capabilities they do in the, of their adult age. Like, for example, if Superman were eight again, he wouldn't have his full suite of powers, mm-hmm. theoretically. Right. But whatever. Yeah. It's and magic. Magic has weird rules. Superman, like, also trying to be the boss. Because yeah. I, think, I think why this episode works is you have the four characters that basically are the, you know, highest authority mm-hmm. on Earth. Yeah. Uh, in this sector. And you are now making them the low status characters mm. to bring in our improv conversations. Of course. Uh, because there's a lot of, of those jokes that pop out. Like there's the two kids having the sword fight oh, yeah. and Superman comes up. He's like, hey, quit that. Yeah. And like, why should we listen to you? And he lasers the ground. He's like, 
because I'm the kid with the laser vision. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you listen to me. It, it is fun to see that the more kid-like sides of them come through. So we talked about like Wonder Woman kind of being like, oh, I'm in charge here. Or like Batman is still Batman, but he he's snarky. Like he really emphasizes the snarkiness of it. Like I love that he keeps referring to Mordred as precious. Like he still knows how to do like the twist of the knife, but it's just a little bit more petty than it would well, be if you were an adult. It was exactly how you would like mess with someone on the playground. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. These are they're playground insults. He's basically just like a playground bully. Yeah. Which is exactly <laughs> what he would be. But it, it is also cute to see that you're right, like when you don't have the 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 filters that come with being an adult on these versions of them, like the 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 flirtation between Bruce and Diana is much more obvious, especially her being much more flirtatious with him and Bruce not knowing how to react. Mm-hmm. Like even when GL says, Oh, your girlfriend's pretty bossy, he's just like, Shut up. Yeah. Not denying it. Which <laughs> not was denying great. it, yeah. <laughs> It's really cute, but you're right. It, it, it Bruce does kind of bring the whole thing down to the end. It's like, oh yeah, I've, I haven't been a kid since I was eight years old. old and Wonder Woman was just like, cool. Okay, I'm just I'm just gonna go now. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of an awkward beat, but I mean, it, it does encapsulate who he is. Right, he's serious again. He's back to his old self, and mm-hmm. he's you know got to just be the fucking buzzkill all the time. <laughs> I know because there was there was one moment that. I thought was very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's when they're first teleported to the the adult dimension, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's this?" Like, you know, Copperhead thinking they're in hell. Yeah. And then Batman's the first to be like, "There's no kids here." I'm like, "Oh yeah, you Robin hunting motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> so you're just trying to find your next prey. He's always on the lookout. <laughs> yeah. It's like no wonder you're the one to call this out. Well, he just knows that whenever he goes to hell, he'll be surrounded by an army of dead robins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he's prepared. <laughs> I I have to say though, I think uh, my favorite part of this whole episode though, and it's something that I had forgotten was in it, was Baby Etrigan. Baby Etrigan. In- so cute, incredible. Like it's it. They took the idea and they took it one step further, and it still works. Mm-hmm. It's the actual baby version of him, and it's just adorable because he's just kind of like waddling around and belching fire. And I love when Wonder Woman just like scolds him to his face and he starts crying. And she just picks him up and gives him a little burp. It's like he's just a baby. That's all he wanted. Yeah. Well, it's it's also great because it's like uh, reversing expectations. Like, yeah. It, it, it's the Rancor pit mm-hmm. of of like what they're You're trying right. to set up. It is it's the kids versus the monster. Yeah. And the monster being. This baby Etrigan. Baby Etrigan. Which he's so cute. And of course saves the day in the end, which is even more adorable. And then of course when they all turn into uh, adults again and Wonder Woman's still holding him, it's adults as Etrigan. Yeah. He just mutters mommy and she drops him and walks away. Which like is uncharacteristic of Etrigan, but we let it go because that's so cute. Exactly. It's just, it keeps playing through the the adorableness of it all. The nice Mm -hmm. little button there. Um, What did you think about their version of Disneyland? Uh, it was fine. It looked very boring. What was it called? It was like oh, Funzy Land or something. Something like that. I, yeah. I didn't write that one down. How dare you? Well, I was. <laughs> what I was distracted by before that point. Uh, if if anyone can go back and watch the episode, please look at this because it's scary. Is uh when they first start wiping the adults, they wipe a teacher in a classroom. Yeah. And in the corner of the classroom is this terrifying. Like, too realistic for this art style drawing of George W. Bush. I saw that, yeah. I couldn't <clears throat> stop looking at it. <laughs> I don't know what background artist was working on that, but 
you you went a little too hard on that. <laughs> a little too realistic. Yeah. Well, because like for this world, everyone has a look. Yeah. Uh, like there's a very specific style to the to the Bruce Tim look, mm-hmm. and that did not fit the style. I mean, I guess if you think about it, it's not too too often that a background artist is also drawing a character. That's true. Yeah. So maybe that artist just wasn't quite as trained up on on how to do the Bruce Tim style. But you're right. It was a little bit distracting off in the corner there. Like, oh, that's that looks, I mean, it's like identical to him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they just traced his like presidential portrait. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Did you have because I feel like I see this trope a lot in animation. Did you have growing up pictures of the president in your classrooms? I think in, I vaguely recall in one of them. But I would have been really young so i think clinton would have been the most recent one on there mm-hmm. i, I think i mean again it's i think i do but do i actually remember that or do i think i remember that because i've seen stuff like this so right. many times or like you know for various productions like as a pa i've gone in we've been in like a classroom and i think i've seen one maybe there before so it's like did i actually have one as a kid or not but i'm pretty sure i've seen one in real life at least once okay I take it you didn't? I don't remember ever having one. <clears throat> Which is kind of surprising. We would have the, like, in, like, social studies, you had, like, the banner of all the presidents, the kind of, like, at the top of the room. Yeah. I had that, but never, oh, like... Oh, that. Oh. oh. Okay, yeah. Not, like, a, well, not like a singular portrait. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Sorry. You're no, right. Not our lord and commander on the wall, <laughs> George W. You're right. I have never... I don't remember ever being in a classroom where there's a singular portrait of the current sitting president. But, yes, I, I thought you were referring to just presidential porches in general and yeah we had like the yeah. banner of all of them okay yeah mm-hmm. yeah never just the one yeah could you, oh, could you imagine if that was a thing the last few years oh god fucking horrifying yeah <laughs> jesus <laughs> but you're right i think their version of disneyland did it did look very boring it was like like a medieval town yeah basically i mean they, they had some <clears throat> of the pieces there they, they were really focusing on just more like the magic kingdom part of it so they had um like the castle, obviously they had King Arthur's sword in the stone. Um, I think it was the carousel. King Arthur's carousel. They, yeah, I think they had the carousel. Yeah, but I love then when Mordred comes in and changes it to be more his aesthetic. It's basically just what if Tim Burton designed Disneyland? Yeah. Well, did you ever see Dismaland? No. It was a it was Banksy, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, it was a, a video he did a couple years ago, and it's like a two minute trailer for Dismaland, mm-hmm. and it's just the very sad like. I can't say over corporate because it's already that's already, so already Disney. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, just doom and gloom Disneyland. <laughs> like, what were some of the rides? I don't even remember anymore. I just remember there was like a I think there's the moat around <clears throat> the castle. And I think it was just like a tar pit. And there was like dead ducks in there. OK. Yeah, that that fits. Yeah. Like instead of a log flume, it's like a garbage chute or something or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It came out before my my Disney indoctrination. Oh, okay. So I, I did not pay as close attention as I would have now. Sometimes it's hard for you to remember that there was a period when you weren't Disney indoctrinated. Yeah, as from you, sit you. There, as you sit there in your Spider Man hat and Stitch shirt. Yes, both of which are adorable, by the way. Thank you. Yes. Wait, is that? Did you get that hat from the new ride? I did. Oh, it's a good hat. Yeah. Yeah. I had to get some merch when I was there. That's fair. You didn't get the fifty dollars Spider Man gauntlets. I didn't, but I got the $60 goggles. That's the worst one. It, it is the worst it's one. the worst one to get. I was told before I got to the park, not from a cast member, I should have double-checked, yeah. but I was told it was supposed to, like, interact with the park somehow. How? Uh, I thought it would have, like, uh, 
I thought it would be like some kind of 3D glasses. And I could wear those on the ride instead of the ugly 3D glasses. Oh, okay. And I would like see something different. Uh, and that was not how it works. No. no they're it, just weird emotion glasses. They're just weird like blinking Spider-Man lenses that also protrude so far away from your face and have a massive battery pack on the back. Yes. Just to be cumbersome and uncomfortable. But it does make for a fun game because you have no vision when you wear them. No, you don't. Uh, I tried to walk around Disney in them. <laughs> that was a great game. Of course you did. Of how many steps can I take before I hit something? I love that you bought the one thing that doesn't actually help you at all on the ride. Yes. <laughs> the one thing. The one thing. Everything else does. <clears throat> well yes. done. We haven't talked about any of the Marvel stuff yet on the pod. No. Uh, Do I we will... need to? I, I can wait. Okay. It'll, it'll slowly seep out through the next couple okay. episodes. Um, because I, the thing is, I want to make sure we have plenty of room for you to talk about the Fountain of Youth TV trope. Yes. Because, I mean, I don't know what else I really have to say about this episode other than it's just super fun. Yeah. I, I, there is no other plot after that. It's no. Just it's Mordred. I do love that he's, like, still trying to be a king. Yeah. And so even when he's in the castle, he does the boring, not the boring, but, like, he sees it as the droll king duties of, like, granting wishes to his peasants. Yep. Because that is what a king is supposed to do. He is, yeah. So he, like, gives them toys or... In and the, the case, cow. A cow, in the case of a crying baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it just... There really isn't that much plot or story here. It's just they go back, and then they fight more to a bit. There's some just kind of generic action sequences. And then Batman eventually realizes, oh, I can just trick him to becoming old again, and this will solve everything. And it does. You know, and, like, the big button on the end there is that... Uh, Mordred has undone the eternal youth spell that he's had. So now he just has eternal life. Mm-hmm. And so the very last shot is um, Morgan Le Fray feeding a, a very old, frail man who was once little baby, whiny, precious Mordred. Yeah, which was it was sad. <clears throat> it is like for a very happy, upbeat episode, it does have like two kind of downer buttons there at the end between Bruce and Mordred. Um, but, you know, there has to be a cost to this sort of villainy at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, I, I forgot this until I looked it up, but this is the last appearance of Morgan Le Fay and Mordred. This is the end of their arc in Justice League. I mean, it, it makes sense. It's hard to come back from that. Yeah, now he's just a, a sad old man. Mm-hmm. Sad old, f- perpetually dying man. Yeah. Ugh. I know. It's kind of gross. So you, you had a list you made. Yes. Of all, I... of, all of the Fountain of Youth episodes. Not all. Uh, that okay. would be a long time. I, I picked my favorite ones. Okay, your favorite ones. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, I'll start with the one that I know you have seen yes. because it, of these shows, at least this one you've seen. Um, but the Futurama Fountain oh, of Youth episode yes. is so good and it's so sweet uh, where they take Professor Farnsworth to go to like the aromatherapy planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes into the tar pit, the de-ages people. No. Is that the same? Yeah, that's the same episode. I think so. Because he becomes... They're all perpet- They're all getting younger continuously, right? Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, then they have to go into, like, that swirling fountain thing at the end. And Zoidberg gets caught in the current and gets sucked to the end of his life. But then you learn it was just one of his brothers. Oh, that's right. <laughs> in one of his molting stages. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. But Futurama has a great one, which kind of lets... In a, in a similar like B romance arc is Fry and Leela get to date each other. Oh, that's kids. right. Um, that's a very good one. Uh, one that I think most people have seen, but probably don't remember is there's a courage, the cowardly dog fountain of youth episode where Muriel turns into a baby. 
Muriel's yeah. the, the old lady? Yes. I've never seen Courage. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you would react to it. I, I, I don't like horror things, so I didn't watch it very much. Okay. But I remember this episode vividly uh, because Muriel is just a little shit. Oh, really? And Courage is trying to like, yeah. And Courage is like trying to accommodate. Yeah. So she wants mac and cheese and he keeps making her... Uh, like very specific mac and cheese and she keeps getting upset like there's not enough cheese there's too much pasta there's not enough pasta and then finally when it's like it's perfect she throws it in his face <laughs> um that one's pretty good lilo and stitch has this trope where there's an experiment named Babyface, mm-hmm. not the singer um and Babyface is a good singer yeah i don't um, know what that is i'm trying to, i think he i don't know what his hit song is he's kind of one hit wonder doesn't matter yeah yeah um where it's the same trope of baby he turns all of the adults into kids and Lilo now has to babysit baby Nani and baby Jumba and baby Pleakley. Okay. Um which is mirrored in the Jackie Chan Adventures episode of the exact same concept where right. the J team is cuz that one is specifically Fountain of Youth where Jackie is protecting it from probably just the dark hand. Mm-hmm. Um and the entire J team gets shrunk and then Jade has to become the parent. Yeah. Um but there's two that I really adore, both in the same show. Mm-hmm. I name dropped them at the beginning, Kids Next Door. Right. Um, which makes sense for that show, because they're all about preserving youth and preserving childhood. Yeah. Um, so there's one that is the <clears throat> Fountain of Youth. It is under their school, uh, and the delightful children, the evil versions of them, are trying to destroy the fountain because they want to speed up everyone's aging. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's one girl who's been like tasked to protect the fountain of youth, who's been a child for decades. Um, and the kids are trying to protect her and the fountain of youth. Yeah. And then all of the main members get turned into younger kids. And it's very cute. Uh, <coughs> but the other one, which I love even more, cause it was like a, it was one of my first introductions to this idea and it's a bit of a twist on it. Um, but there's this villainous trio of teenagers that the, the kids next door, they, they can't stop. They're too good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they keep stealing very weird things. And the final thing they steal is like this big truck of tapioca, tapioca pudding. <laughs> and what you find out is it's the kids' grandparents who have been using de-aging cream <laughs> that has been <laughs> mutated and turning them into teenagers to fight their own grandkids. Oh, my God. And it's so cute. And it's so funny because you see them turn back into adults mm-hmm. and one guy has like this cool bow staff and like you see his back hunch over and he puts the stick down and it turns into his walker <laughs> and he's it's like hobbling <laughs> towards the kids and they create a giant mech using their like walkers put together. Oh, I think I remember this episode. It's so actually. good and it's so well done. I mean, I, that's such a, such a thing that the kids next door does so well, which is like have these really high stakes attached to the most ridiculous things. Like they're just trying to get a bunch of tapioca pudding. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> uh, but th- that is my list of kind of my favorite versions of this trope. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like scrolling through the, uh, the TV tropes thing. I mean, it's in everything like 101 Dalmatians, Adventure Time, Puss in Boots, American Dad, Angry Beavers. Uh, uh, oh, The Brave and the Bold. Yes, Raven the Bold has a great one. Yeah, Ben Ten. Uh, Fairly Odd Parents also has a great episode. Oh, where I think I remember Timmy, that one. Yeah, well, they also have two. Timmy wishes to become a baby to hide from the bully. Oh, okay. But then he realizes he can't 
make wishes because he can't talk anymore because he's a baby. Oh, so he's trying to smart. spell out his wish. Very smart. Yeah, uh, Darkwing Duck, Dexter's Lab. I mean, just it really just. I'm, I'm still in the D's here. Yeah, like every cartoon. Every has this cartoon has those, and they're yeah. all good. Family Guy, Futurama, Emperor's New School, Hercules, Jackie Chan. Yep. Jetsons, Johnny Bravo, Justice League. Oh, it, it just, we can keep going. Kim Possible. My Little Pony, of course. Oh my God, so many. I mean, I guess that's the thing is like, I remember this being, oh my God, there's even ones for Star Trek, the animated series? Yep. Of course there is. Of course Well, because there there's even one, I think for like, Teen Titans. The, the live action Star Trek. Um, oh, probably, because I'm just looking at Western animation. Yeah, that, that's if, what I scroll I bet if I scroll through. up and I look at live action TV, uh, yeah, the 4400, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, Doctor Who. Um, what else have we got? There's so, so many. Power Rangers, of course, Once Upon a Time. But I mean, all these. Oh, Smallville. What was the Smallville one? Uh, an old man takes a spill into the koi pond in his retirement home, which turns out it to be lined with green rocks and makes him physically 50 years younger. Unfortunately, he turns out to be a sociopath with a long list of scores settled, and one of them is against the Kent family. That's got to be from season one. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Star Trek The Next Generation. Supernatural, of course, did it. The Twilight Zone. Yeah, I mean, it's been done again and again and again. And I guess you're right. Like, I just remember this being done so often, but I don't ever remember feeling like these episodes were dumb. Like, they actually do kind of work. Mm -hmm. They usually have some sort of, like, fun thematic thing going on. It probably works less well in live action, because this is a naturally just kind of silly thing, so it helps its animation. Yeah. Well, it, and also, you know, this is peak late 90s, early 2000s animation. So this is like back for kids cartoons. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> and it makes sense to have this trope for kids for kids animation. Like, yeah. you have, you're watching adults do things for kids to look up to, and then you get to see the adults be the kids the kids want to see. Yeah. And of course, I just realized we're forgetting like the classic example of this big. I mean, it's a movie, not a TV show, mm -hmm. but it's like, yeah, you're right. That's the whole movie is this. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we just call this the like the big trope? Zoltar trope. It's like <laughs> Zoltan? Zoltar? No, Zoltan. I think Zolt no, Zoltar is big. Zoltan is dude, where's my car? Is that it? Yeah. Zoltan! Okay. The little Z. Then who's the villain from Space Coast? I don't know. I think that's also Zoltar. It might be. I don't know. They, they all sound the same. They do. <laughs> Zordon, Zoltan. Well, Zordon is very different. Zorg. Zorro. Yeah, it's all the same <laughs> shit. Uh, oh, so I'm looking at other ones. Oh, we, I mean, it's also a big part of um, Sky High as well. Yeah. Mm, the good, Pacifier. Good movie. Great movie. Good, wait. That's not on Disney Plus, is it? Not yet. How is that not on Disney Plus? Great. Maybe they just added it. I think they might have just brought it on. Okay, because I gotta watch that again. I've only seen it once years ago. You've only seen it? Oh, wow. It's yeah. incredible. I know it is. I wanna revisit it. When I was uh, in middle school, I'm sure I've told this story many a time. I'm sure you have. Uh, I was doing very bad in school, and my parents rightfully grounded me uh, and removed all technology from my room. Uh, except I hid our portable DVD player under my pillow, and the only DVD I had in there was Sky High. So to fall asleep every night for like six months, I'd watch Sky High to, to go to bed. Cameron, what do I love is <laughs> if, if if this were to happen to you, no one would be able to tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you would still be the exact same person. It would, and it would I love just, you for my it. beard would just suck in. And exactly. that's the only change. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, did you shave? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh, I mean, any other thoughts on this episode or just like the, the this, this trope in general? Um, how, how does this rank amongst your favorite TV tropes? Oh, it's up there. Yeah. I've, I've, I think we've had that conversation before of like, what are the best tropes? I'm sure and we it's have such a big question. I just forget everything we record. Yeah. So it's, it's such an, an impossible question to answer off the top of your head. Mm hmm. Cause it's one of those, like the second you're asked is the second you forget all of them. All the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but I would say probably top 10. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> If I really want to drag you this podcast, I'd challenge you to name nine others, but I'm not going to do that. I, I could not. <laughs> so we're not going to do it. We're not that good at improv. Uh, all right. Well, should we move on to some uh, some hawk and dove? Yes. Let's then? transition to Greek mythology. All right. Yes. Yeah, so uh, in this episode, we get uh, Ares, the uh, god of war, gifts an unstoppable automaton called the Annihilator to a Kasdian freedom fighter in hopes of escalating a civil war. One woman who's grown frustrated by man's hostility recruits superpowered brothers Hawk and Dove to stop the Annihilator. Yes. So right off the top, the very opening sequence is Hephaestus. Hephaestus. Yes. Hephaestus. Mm -hmm. Making what is essentially the same thing as the Devastator from the Thor movie. Yep. Uh, for Ares. Can you please explain to the class who is Hephaestus? Hephaestus? Hephaestus. Hephaestus. Hephaestus is one of the, one of the central gods. Okay. Uh, but he was born... Uh, kind of, uh, what's the word? Uh, like misfigured. Okay, yeah, he he's notoriously ugly, right? Yes, and so he's the outcast god. Okay, but with all this free time he has, not being with the the core twelve, uh, he became very good at blacksmithing. Oh, and so he creates the weapons of the gods. He's famously created Zeus's thunderbolt. Um, he weirdly does not create anything for Ares. Because the two are actually like very feuding gods, they hate each other, which is why I think it's interesting that they're like and they made them friends here. They're all brothers, right? Uh, they're all related. Okay, yeah, I think those two are technically brothers. Okay, I think they're both spawns of Zeus. Okay, um, but Hephaestus is married to Aphrodite, mm -hmm. and she was kind of cursed being his bride because mm -hmm. she's famously the most beautiful of the goddesses. He's famously the ugliest. The most ugly. Yeah. Um, but she and Ares consistently have like a hookup on the side. And so one of the great stories is Hephaestus makes an unbreakable um, fishing net, which is later given to Poseidon. Uh, and he uses it to catch Ares and Aphrodite in bed. And he pulls them out and shows their, their naked deeds in front of the other gods for them to laugh at. <laughs> God. Now, here's the thing though. Th these are, Famously hedonistic gods. Yes. I feel like they wouldn't laugh. I feel like they'd just watch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of them still cared about the idea of marriage. It's really just Zeus that didn't. Oh, okay. I was going to say, Zeus, Zeus definitely did it. Yeah. He's out there turning into swans and... Cows. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, but also with this, because I was trying to think if there was ever like an, a famous suit of armor that Hephaestus created in mythology. Yeah. And the closest we can get is he created Achilles' armor. And so right. that plays in because he makes a comment in this that everything he creates has a central flaw, which is the Achilles heel. Right. He even says that Wonder Woman's has one, though he does not say what it is. Yes. Yeah. I assume it's the 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 BDSM one. 
Sorry, what? Do you know, the original Wonder Woman, the way she lost her powers was if her hands were tied together behind her back. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I just know that the guy, was it William Morstan something? The guy who created Wonder Woman was like famously into BDSM. Yeah. Okay. And he just... It just happened to work also in the comics. Well, all these things often do. Mm-hmm. So. It was the 50s, 40s, 50s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were getting away with a lot of shit back then. Um, yeah. Cause I didn't I didn't know if like the Annihilator was also. Not that I could find. Okay. I think that is. More of like a comic creation. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that the Devastator that's in the Thor movie, I think, was also used in a Thor comic. And it's it's probably one of those things that's been in comics for, for a long, long time. They just mm-hmm. use it here. But it's the same idea. It's. It's a it's just a mindless automaton that follows directions. So yeah, Ares gifts it to you know one half of a Cassian civil war to kind of keep the war going because this whole goal here is never explicitly stated, but it's heavily implied. He basically just needs there to be conflict in order to power himself. Yes, yeah, he's fueled by chaos and, and anger and war. Yeah, and I did think that was clever that when we you know when we first see him, he's obviously in the his suit of armor and the guise of a god. Um, but then when we see him on Earth, he's just a weapons dealer, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense. Absolutely. It's what he should be doing. Because I was trying to remember if we had met him before, but it was Hades, if I recall, that was in Paradise Lost, the Justice League episode where Wonder Woman brings the League to Themyscira, right? I think it was Ares. No, I think it was Hades. I, okay. Because I, 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 looked, I looked up... Maybe I made a comment of, like, it should have been Ares. Possibly, because it is Ares in the Wonder Woman movie. Yes, played by Lupin. Yes, by David Thewlith. Um, yes, but here it's Ares, and um, he only appears in this one episode. Wow, okay. Yeah. So I think it was Hades that last time. So I think I feel like Hades makes a reappearance later on when they there's a Justly Unlimited episode, I think, that gets further into Wonder Woman's origin, if I recall. Okay. It's all blends together. It does. A lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, so is there anything worth covering on Ares himself? Um. Not really. No, I feel like we kind of get it all there. Yeah. I, I, I did love that he's voiced by the great Michael York. Oh, I missed that. Who also voiced, I'm pretty sure he voiced Count Vertigo um, in, what was that episode called? Vert- oh, God. Vertigo. It was the Off first... Balance? No. Vertigo? No. Well, because he's in two episodes. He says there's one and then there's the one. Uh, mm. Where he is with Talia. Uh-huh. So, yes, uh, he voiced Vertigo in Off Balance, nice. and he voiced Dr. Montague Kane in Zatanna. He voiced Kanto in Superman Tools the Trade, which was the episode where they're selling weapons, Apocalypse selling weapons to Cameron Mannheim. Got it. And that's it. But those are all the Michael York appearances. Great. Great Michael was York. Was Talia in Off Balance then? Yes, at the very okay. end. She, like, saves... Yeah. She saves him. She saves Bruce. Okay. Yeah, at the very end of it. So, um, And then you probably didn't catch this. Did you catch who the voice of Hephaestus was? I did not. It's Ed Asner, a.k.a. <gasps> the voice of Granny Goodness, a.k.a. Santa Claus in Elf, a.k.a. many, many things. Many, many things. Carl and Up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Amazing man. I met him once, actually. Have you really? That's yeah, we, awesome. we interviewed him from one of the shows I PA'd on. Nice. Nice guy. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, very nice guy. Um... <clears throat> But yeah, so and then Wonder Woman has this kind of like little mini arc happening in this episode where she's is she just tired of dealing with the bullshit of mankind? It was I was a little bit unclear what she was upset about, but basically her rage is starting to come through. Well, it her opening line is it was her day off. 
That's true, yeah. It's it's the clerk scenario of, I wasn't even supposed to come in today. Yeah, she was supposed to take the day off, and she has to, like, stop a bank robbery from happening. Um, But, yeah, she, like, they keep alluding to her rage just coming through and her being, like, overly punishing of people. And is it just that she's, is it that she's kind of started to become more, quote-unquote, human, or is it she's just tired of dealing with man's bullshit? It it felt a little bit soft in terms of what they're trying to convey. Maybe I just didn't get it. I think it's it's more B- because okay. there's in the Wonder Woman movie, not the animated one, um, right? There's I think I think it's in that one. She has the line where she's like, "I'm not, I don't have the same rules as Superman." Like she's okay killing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was in that. It was in one of the animated movies. They, Possibly they make that mark. Okay. Um, but I mean, she's usually pretty fine with murder and death. I think it is just like dealing with the pettiness of humanity yeah because it's all, i guess maybe you heard it all feels so trivial yeah so she's kind of getting tired of having to deal with this sort of shit and she's just she just wants a little bit of a break it's supposed to be your day off man it's supposed to be your day off i'd be pretty upset if i got <laughs> called into work on the other side of the world to go to a civil war <laughs> on my day off but so along the way she picks up uh hawk and dove now i don't really know much about hawk and dove but you said you did a little bit of research on them yes so um, what's their deal Great question. <laughs> it's uncertain and unclear and makes no sense. All right. I mean, it sounds like comics. Yes. Uh, do you want me to go into it now? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, Hank and Don. Yes. Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 60s, it was, you know, peak war conflict going on in America. Vietnam. Yes. Hawk or Hank is very conservative. Dove is very, uh, Don is very liberal. The two brothers don't get along in the comic story. Um, their dad is a judge who there was a, a murder attempt on him, and the two brothers were very upset about that. And so they kind of went and tried to be their own vigilantes to figure out who has a hit on their dad. Mm-hmm. In the process, they immediately get caught by the criminal underworld. Uh, and before they're about to be killed, they finally agree that their purpose is to like protect their family. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, they start hearing voices. Hawk hears, or Hank hears the voice of this character named Tachar, who is one of the agents of chaos. And, uh, Don hears the voice of, uh, Taratia, who is an agent of order. And these two have their own Romeo and Juliet story going on behind the scenes where they're in a relationship when they're supposed to be mortal enemies <clears throat> uh, but they are giving them the powers of the hawk and the dove. Okay. Uh, and it is never explained what those powers are. They're just given generic superpowers. Uh, I, 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 read it, uh, I, I read a description of enhanced speed, strength, and agility, which okay. is basically what we see them do in these episodes. Yes. This episode. Uh, so I think that might be a more recent version. Okay. Because the original hawk and dove are murdered. <laughs> I'm actually surprised they pulled this version because Dove was killed in Infinite Crisis of Infinite Earths in 1985, and he wasn't resurrected until Brightest Day in 2010. Oh, okay. Uh, And Hawk was killed in a weird storyline. They always are. uh, it, It was I don't remember what the story arc was, but it was the twist on the villain was leaked on who it was, and so DC did a quick rewrite of it so it wasn't what the fans had found out and so instead the villain of this arc was future hawk who'd gone oh so so when dove died hawk had no like 
nothing to keep him balanced, so he just became super aggressive. Yeah. Uh, to the point where, like, a lot of people, a lot of heroes started to see him as, like, near villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they stopped working with him, which just made him more angry and more angry. Very, you know, your Hulk scenario. Mm-hmm. And so in the story arc, it's a future version of Hawk that kills his past self, which I don't understand. But then also that version of Hawk didn't appear again until Blackest Night, which was after this episode. Okay. So we hadn't seen these characters in comics for over 10 years. Oh, wow. When okay. this episode came out, which is really interesting that they pulled it because there are three other iterations of hawk and dove right because there's the 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 other one i know of is the one that's in titans yes where it's um hank and then a female dove whose name is dawn as well but d-a-w-n correct and they're in a relationship yes at least that's the version in titans i don't know if that's the version in the comics um that is how it worked after dawn hall died in crisis uh his power was transferred to dawn Granger. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I can only remember because not related to Hermione. Right. Um, but they're not in a relationship in the comics. Oh, okay. That was just for the show. Uh, yes. And that version of Dove is when she gets the super speed. Oh, okay. So the original Don Hall, I think is just, he might be a little bit faster, but he just has like rapid healing. Hmm. Um, and a little bit of super strength. Cause they make a point of like, she has no healing power. She just has speed. Okay. My God, this is so confusing. I know. And yeah, there's other versions I didn't want to get into because it's okay. I just wanted to focus on these two. <laughs> Probably for the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do find it kind of funny that when we meet them, they are about to get into a bar fight. Sounds like because Don has called out these guys on basically being shitheads. Yeah, Proud Boys. It's essentially, yes. Mm-hmm. Pre Proud Boys, Proud Boys. Um, and then, so Hank, like, begrudgingly is going to help defend him. And then right when they're about ready to get into the fight, they turn into their superhero alter egos. And then they basically become super bar fighters. Yes. And I thought that was just all kinds of weird. I loved it. <laughs> like, and no one, no one at any point's like, hey, are you sure you should be in costume fighting dudes in a bar? Picking fights that you started? Yeah, where you've already said your, like, identities out loud. Yeah. They know who you are. You don't need the costumes. It just, it felt weirdly non-altruistic for a superhero intro. Mm Mm-hmm. I I think, but I don't know where else they could have done it. Yeah, I suppose. Because I feel like the way they did this animation for their transformation, it it was Sailor Moon light. Oh, it was. Because also the costumes are just so, like, ridiculous yes yes they're so cool i i love the look of them but they're a little bit sailor scouty mm-hmm. and i feel like one animator must have pitched like they do the bar fight at the end and then wonder woman comes in he's like hawk dove i need your help and that's when they did the transformation and it's the full like glove to chest emblem to glove i sequence. wish they had i'm sure someone had i love it well someone's done that with batman have they oh i don't i i guess i never sent it to you i think this might have been before we were friends mm-hmm. um there, yeah, there's this beautiful animation of Bruce doing a Sailor Scout transformation into Batman. That's fantastic. And doing, like, the poses and everything. It's so good. <laughs> I'm here for it. It's I, I will send it to you as soon as I find it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Wonder Woman, like, picks him up and, and drags him out to, uh, to Kaznia. And then there, basically, Hank is like, all right, we're going to get into the fight. And Don's like, no, 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 no. We're going to try and find a peaceful solution. So he goes to try and kidnap the two leaders of the opposing sides to force them to 
have a conversation and that never comes fruition. No. Well, they I never think, actually talk. Well, I think the, cause it's what South versus North. Yeah. The Southern one is the one that's taken over by Aries. The one who's given the annihilator by Aries. Yeah. Yes. So th- he doesn't have the chance because the, the Southern leader is already, I assume dead. Right. Before Hank. Can well, but there is, them. there is, there is a, le- there is a general to each side. Yes. Yeah. There's a guy who has the annihilator and the guy who has the big handlebar mustache. Mm-hmm. They never actually talk. Like there's an attempt to kind of like capture the two of them, but they never actually have a conversation. Right. Right. Okay. I have to admit, I was like almost falling asleep while I was watching this. So okay. So I may have a- missed something. Aries, uh, Aries having a conversation with the Southern general. Yeah. And the Southern general basically says like, no, we did what we needed to do. Right. We're not here for war. We're just here to keep our people safe. Mm-hmm. And Aries doesn't, doesn't want any of that. And I think he just kills the Southern general and takes his place. Oh, that's right. He does. So he doesn't have the chance to, they don't have the chance to have that conversation. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I like plot thread basically goes nowhere up until Wonder Woman realizes that the, the, the weakness, if you want to call it that in the annihilator armor is that it's fueled by rage. So if we all stop having rage, it'll just stop. If we all just be friends. Yeah. It's every parent's dream. <laughs> if we can all just hug it out. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, I mean, the whole, I guess the whole theme here is, you know, it is a quest for peace, not to just quote the title of the fourth Superman film. Um, the worst one. Nah, wait. Nah, three is probably the worst one. Doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's the whole yeah, point. Richard Donner just passed away. I know. Oh, it's so sad. Mm-hmm. Man, he did so much stuff. Yeah. Beyond Superman. He was also, like, the producer on most of the X-Men movies, too. He was in Goonies. That's right. He, he, he directed did Goonies. Goonies. He did, yeah. He directed not Goonies. Not in Goonies. Yeah. yeah. Goonies is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't think it holds up? I watched it for the first time a few years ago. I'm like, I like this. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I should have seen it as a kid. I think it's 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 very much like a kid movie. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have this conversation off air. But <laughs> I want to know, like, what do you think are the kids' movies that hold up the best? Oh, okay. That's a, that's a long conversation. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Quest for Peace. Quest for Peace! It's basically mm-hmm. just a quest for peace. And then eventually everyone lays down their arms and the elevator stops and then Ares like, well, I have nothing here, no. Yeah, very begrudgingly because the, the twist moment or the, the, the climax moment is the one soldier slapping Wonder Woman <laughs> and saying, I don't take orders from women. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of a lot. Yeah, because that's really pushing her buttons. Like, yeah. I think she can get one more punch in before peace. I, I think so. I, I just she I, think she, or, I, I think she I think she's deserved have. one more punch before she goes yeah. for peace. Or better yet, take that guy, pick him up, and then just throw him with all of her might so he's so far away that his rage will not affect the annihilator. Yes, as long as she does it with a smile. Exactly. It's, okay. it's, it's bringing her joy to throw him away. Yeah. So it's not rage, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It I maybe because kids stuff was so fun, I found this one just a little bit generic i don't know how yes i agree this episode for me do you ever have those shows back in in the syndication days where like when you turn the tv on it was always the same episode yeah that was this for me oh really this episode was always on huh and i don't know why uh but i think i've just i think i've just seen it too much okay where there's yeah there's nothing that really happens post like you know there's the gray moment of of wonder Woman going to hephaestus um, and him not saying, but hinting at the, the weakness of the armor. Um, but yeah, there, there's nothing really that happens beyond that. No. And I wonder if we were, if we're so, cause I mean the last, last week's episodes were great. Um, but I wonder if we're so used to these 
to the two-parters and three-parters we got of Justice League that we want these like deeply fleshed out episodes now. I think more for me, it's not necessarily that I want the deeply fleshed out episodes as I want the fun one-offs. Yes. Or, I mean, not that, not that um, the man who has everything is super fun necessarily, but I, I guess I want really impactful one-off episodes. And that's what I remember most. What I remember most about JLU from when I watched it 20 years ago was the like serialized storytelling of the Cadmus arc and then the random fun episodes. So yeah. that's basically described season two and season one, respectively, of the whole series. Um, but it's stuff like The Man Who's Everything, which is a very self-contained, really great story, or the Kid Stuff episode, which is just super fun, or next week we're going to get uh, This Little Piggy and the Galatea episode. It's like, I, I, this one, I guess, to me, just there is nothing super memorable about it, other than it introduces Hawk and Dove. But even then, like, I don't find them super interesting. Yeah. As a dynamic. So Teen Titans had aired at this point, right? Yeah, that was around this point. Yeah, around this time. So Hawk and Dove, uh, at least this version of Hawk and Dove, were almost always teamed up with the Teen Titans and becoming members of Teen Titans West in the comics. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm curious why they were in this show and not in that show. Because I feel like they would have been great for Teen Titans. Because then you have kind of the... I mean, Robin is a little more hot-headed in that version of yeah. the story. So I think him with Hawk could have been really interesting. And then maybe Dove with Raven. where oh, okay. Yeah, trying he, to find peace. Yeah, yeah, or it's peace, but she sees peace as, like, being purely emotionless. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, no, you have to, like, use your emotion to fuel the peace. Yeah, that could have been a good episode. And then, you know, like, Starfire being with that... Um, yeah, I think that could have been a really interesting Titans episode. Here, I just don't think it had that same. I think it is because, yeah, Wonder Woman's story, it, there's it's very little changes. Yeah, I, I just don't think the she just learns not to hit, not yeah, to hit not somebody. to hit people as much. Yeah, it just it didn't have any really good thematic resonance to it in any sort of way, and nothing really stood out. I mean, it, it's fine. It's just like I'd say of the episode of the four we've watched so far it's the weakest but even that it's it's still good. Yeah, it's still so much fun. Yeah, it's still fine. But yeah, I was just kind of like, eh. And, and maybe it's too cuz like, you know, my most recent experience talking Dove would have been in Titans and although I've stopped watching that cuz it's just stupid and Season 3 insane. comes out in 3 weeks. I watched the trailer, I'm like, cool, I'm not going to watch it. Um, but like I thought they did a pretty good job with those two and I, I couldn't help but as I'm watching like the animated version of Hawk, I'm like you just want Alan Rickman. Or not, Alan, sorry, Alan Richardson. One. But I was like, like, Alan Richardson, like, man, that, oh, he was the perfect casting choice for that. God, he's so good. Yeah. He's just so good. What a man. Oh, what a man. But yeah. Uh, there is one fun little thing, though. Oh. With, uh, with Hawk and Dove. So famously, the characters here are voiced by the brothers from the Wonder Years. Yes, I did catch that. Yes. That is wonderful. So it's Fred Savage and uh, Jason Hervey. The big difference here, though, is they've swapped personas, essentially, which I guess was a, a choice made by the actors themselves. It's kind of like subvert the expectations. So in this case, Fred Savage is playing the is playing Hank, like the big, muscular, tough guy, and Jason Hervey is playing the more like um, refined, contemplative, emotional one. It's kind of a fun, fun little dynamic they throw in there. A little bit of uh, stunt voice casting, which is always appreciated. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, don't know. I thought overall, it's okay. Yeah, it's just okay. Yeah, I, 
it's a, a tangential question of the week that we don't have to answer. Mm-hmm. But I would I'd be curious for other people. It's like, what is that? What is that syndicated show where you turn it on? And it's always the same episode. Like, what was that episode, episode for you? Yeah, I remember. I think because the only episode of SpongeBob I ever remember <laughs> watching, it's the episode where they're on the Flying Dutchman. Oh, great episode. Great I, one. I think it's the only episode I've ever actually seen in its entirety. And it's it's just because I ever turned to the TV and that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's the second appearance of the uh, of the ghost. So I it's, it's the one where they're on the know. boat, not the one where they're hunting for the treasure. The no, it's the one where they're on the boat. Okay. Um, that's the lead, 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 lead episode. Uh, maybe. All I know is that they're trying to navigate their way through like some barn, like through some coral, and SpongeBob's like, you're good. Yep. You're yeah. good. <laughs> it's just the sides of the thing are getting scraped off. You're good. Yeah. They, so, they join the Dutchman's crew. Yes, exactly. Because the they, I think they're cursed. Yes. The curse is that the Dutchman is, has to deal with them now. Has to deal with them, yeah. East, I thought you said we. That's, that's a different episode. That's a different episode. That's how to make sure, because that is the that's the Dutchman's treasure episode. Oh, I guess I have seen both of those then. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's uh, it. Because they're given two gold blooms, and Mr. Krabs is given a replica toy chest of <laughs> <laughs> oh, treasure. Such a weird show. It's incredible. Oh, it's such a weird show. All right. Any other uh, thoughts on this? Uh. I think we I think we covered my beats. We did Greek mythology lesson. We did weird origin of the Romeo and Juliet chaos and order. <laughs> it's it's so weird. Like what was going? Oh, they're also created by Steve Ditko. Which oh, I that's was right. really oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. All right. Well, then let's uh, do some plugs real quick. Uh, Cameron, what are your bat plugs for the week? Uh, I have. A new one and an old one. I think you've already watched this show. A new plug and an old plug. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think you've watched this show, but I finally caved because there's a giant billboard for season two outside my apartment. Uh, I finally watched Ted Lasso. That was my plug this week. Oh my God, it's incredible. (laughs) I just watched it. (laughs) Holy shit. I watched the entire thing last weekend. Yes. In one sitting, practically. That is one of the most charming shows I've ever seen in my life. It is. It's just like, it's so positive and uplifting and inspirational like you finish an episode and you're like where can i go what situation can i put myself in where i can go be nice to somebody yes i just want to go be nice i i that is like after seeing that show i'm like oh that's what i want to be yeah like that's what i've been trying to be yeah i like it it that's all i'd heard about that show is everyone's like oh it's so uplifting it's totally worth watching I'm like okay get to it i'm like okay I'll, I'll just go ahead and sit down and watch it and you're right it's just like it's just so nice yes it's so heartwarming uh, i would say if you haven't watched it now, just go in blind. Just start watching it. Yeah. Uh, Apple uh, Apple TV is free for a year right now. Is it? Yeah. It is? It was for me. Oh, shit. I mean, I got it for free because I bought a phone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so mine was free for a year, and then other than that, it's like five bucks a month. Yeah, something like that. Um, so go check it out right now. I got my parents to watch it. They both fell in love with it. Yeah. It's just a great show for everyone who's probably over, like, 15. Yeah. It... It's really refreshing. Not that it's like dirty or raunchy. Just like no. I feel like anyone under fifteen wouldn't like appreciate the humor. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like someone asked me, "Is it wholesome?" I'm like, I guess. I mean, like it's you know, it's still a, it's still a, as we would call it soccer, but a football club in the UK. Like there's still swearing and stuff like that. But it, and it handles adult things. But I guess it's wholesome in the sense that it's a bunch of people who are, at least attempting to be accountable for their behavior, and. 
you know, Ted is this relentlessly optimistic person, but it, sh- it the, the show goes the effort of showing that's not easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot of work and it's hard work, but it's, it's just nice to see a show where like people will be called out for their behavior and acknowledge they didn't apologize for it. Yeah. It's the most, and that being okay. And, and I it being that, okay. That yeah. ending the situation. Yeah. It's just like, okay, like you, you have, you have, uh, apologize and I've forgiven you and we move on. Yes. Like I understand that you are going through shit and you're not thinking clearly and yeah. that is okay. Yeah. It's like, fuck, like, I just want, I want that kind of hug. Right. It's everyone's just so em- like empathic and so lovely. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it also is funny. Yes. Too. It is also genuinely like funny and sweet and it's never, it's never mean spirited in its humor, mm-hmm. which is rare for an American show. Right. Yeah. Which it, I had to double check. Because it, it's created by... Um, Bill Lawrence. Yes. Also famous for Scrubs. Yes. And a couple other shows, but mostly Scrubs. Yeah. Um, I thought with the, how the humor was set up, I thought this was done by the same people that did Sex Education. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's it, fair. it has that, like, wholesomeness to it. Yeah, that sort of tone. Yeah. Yeah, like, it is a comedy, but it's not a comedy not like you... Not charm, ex- not wholesomeness. Right, charm, yeah. But yeah. it's not a comedy like you expect it to be. Right. Yeah. Like the the jokes kind of come naturally from the situation rather than feel like they're they're forced in there. Mm-hmm. It's just so cute. Yeah, and especially being a Midwest boy. Oh yeah. I yeah. I have a lot of people that I wish were more like Ted Lasso. More like Ted Lasso. My uncle is kind of like that. He has this, he has the mustache. Yeah. It's just. It's yeah. Just, it's just, it's like a warm cup of tea. But tea's bad. Well, according to him, I love tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. I'm glad that, that we have both. That's so, seen that's it. so funny. Yeah. I thought you plugged it like, no, year, like a year ago. I never, okay. I had never watched it. Cause I was like, I'm not going to get Apple TV. What's the point? And I've had Apple TV plus for almost six months and eventually like, Oh, I should probably watch the things I want to watch on it. while I still have it for free. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I watched that. I watched the first episode of mythic quest. Okay. It's, okay. It's not enough. My wheelhouse. I think I'm going to watch for all mankind which mm-hmm. is like the alternate history space race because I love both those oh, things nice. so much. So I'll probably end up watching that as well. And then I really want to watch Schmigadoon. Yes, I was going to say Schmigadoon. Yeah, did you watch it? I have not yet. Okay, yeah, I want to watch that one. Um, there's the other one that's about the like uh, dance instructor. Oh, Physical? Yes. With Rose Byrne? That's who it is. Okay, it's Rose I Byrne, yeah. I couldn't place the face fast enough when I was watching the trailer. And, and I'm, I am interested in that one because the director of that is Craig Gillespie who did I, Tanya, and also... Cruella. That's right. Yes. Yes. So he's, and I, I recently watched um, Lars and the Real Girl, which is one of his first films, which is really, really good too. Okay. So I'm like kind of intrigued with that one just because as a director, I'm really fascinated by his work. So mm-hmm. I'm going to watch that one. So I guess we're just plugging Apple TV. Just, <laughs> God damn it. We've become Apple shills. Oh, damn or as you would say, shells. Shells. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, All right. So that was our, our communal plug. What was your other one? Uh, I watched the new Space Jam. Oh, that's right. Why yes, did I even ask that? Legacy. I knew, I knew that was your your plug. How mm-hmm. was it? Oh, Chris. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't like it. Wow. It hurts. <clears throat> it hurts a lot when you go I... into something and you want to like it so badly. I want to like this movie so much, and I just don't i didn't know you were capable i didn't know i was either it's it's a live action animation hybrid it's your favorite thing it, it is my genre yeah I, I almost went back and rewatched roger rabbit afterwards just to like cleanse myself so what what about it was a letdown for you the biggest part for me is the 3d animation 
Okay. There's a moment when the game starts and Don Cheadle like does something on the court and every 2D character suddenly becomes 3D mm-hmm. and they don't look good. Oh, okay. The the tunes don't look good, but also the characters in the background that should have stayed 2D because uh, it, it is just a smorgasbord of HBO Max propaganda. Yeah. Um, some of it is, is very cool. And so you can see like the mystery machine in one corner um, and you see that gang and they're parked next to the Flintstones gang. And then on another seating area, you see like the Jetsons family sitting with Astro Boy, not Astro Boy, um, what's the dog, Blue Falcon and Astro Mutt. Dino Mutt? Dino Mutt, thank you. Yes. Um, they're sitting in the other corner together and you just see like every every um, Hanna-Barbera character is in the audience. You see Jabberjaw next to Magilla Gorilla and the, the Pussycats. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's beautiful to see that. But they're all in such bad like rendered 3d i couldn't enjoy it uh, if they stayed 2d i'd been perfectly fine with that that okay. ending sequence um th- i think they're trying to take it too serious mm-hmm. which you can't with this kind of movie no they try to put too much heart into it because it's it's about you know um trying to save his son who's right been absorbed into the game um lebron james i forgot his name for a second <laughs> Um, and his, like their arc together is like the son doesn't want to play basketball, mm-hmm. but LeBron James who grew up only knowing basketball won't let his sons do anything else. Oh, okay. And so it's like letting his kid be a kid, uh, which like, you know, good message. Don't put it in my space jam movie. <laughs> don't give your, don't put your messages in this commercial. <laughs> yeah. This Warner Brothers it, commercial. It is an HBO max commercial. Yeah. Um, act, two i'll say is was the best for me okay that is just of the, the two acts that was the of best the th- of them of the three of the three act structure because <laughs> act two is them like trying to get the looney tunes back together okay um so basically bugs's plot i'm just gonna spoil the whole movie because you know whatever it's space jam yeah um when don Cheadle started running the like server where all hbo max's content lives mm-hmm. the warner server which they named the warner server um all the Looney Tunes basically fled to other stories because they wanted to experience other things yeah. and left Bugs in Looney Tune land. And so Bugs is tricking LeBron into going and rounding up all of his friends so they can go back to Looney Tune land. He doesn't want to play in the game. Okay. Um, and that part is the fun part where you see them like messing up other movies. Okay. Um, and like ones that I wasn't even expecting to see, uh, there's an Austin Powers moment where they use footage from the original Austin Powers. Really? Yeah. It's the mini me reveal and the door slides. You see Seth Green and, and Dr. Evil and the door slides open. And instead of mini me coming out, it's Elmer Fudd dressed as Dr. Evil. It's pretty great. Uh, doing the pinky thing. It's so cute. Um, you have that, you have granny doing matrix. Oh, I've seen that in the trailer. Yeah, That was in the trailer. Um, Lola going through the Wonder Woman trial from Wonder Woman 84, the the best part of that movie. Right. The opening sequence. Yeah. Uh, and Bugs and LeBron just trying to, like, mess her up the entire time because mm-hmm. they don't want her to become a Themyscarin. Okay. Uh, it's great. And the animation is done by the same team that did uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's that very fun. And uh, you see that – it's the um, 
Bruce Tim Superman you see yeah, as well. I, I've seen this last week some screenshots of like there's a like they're going through Metropolis and like the, a train sequence like that and there's um, Clark Kent and Lois and Jim Gordon are on like a train platform and there's another shot of like the Justice League assembled on a roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and fucking Rick and Morty are in it for a quick second. Oh, which yeah, is I guess. Like, yeah, they, they kind of threw everything at you. Well, of course they did. Yeah, because it's an advertisement. Yeah. So it, it sounds like this might be even more blatant than Ready Player One was. It was, to the point where I'm pretty sure they just reused the assets. I think that movie didn't take off the way they wanted, and they put too much money in building all the models, yeah. especially the Iron Giant model. And so they're just like, put it in something else. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, I at no point have ever been like, this looks good or interesting. Mm-hmm. And I had no intention of seeing it. I definitely don't need to now, which is great. Yeah, you, you don't. See, I think if you can find the like those five-minute clips of them going through movies, yeah. that's the only thing you need to see. Okay, well, it's also on HBO Max. Like, I literally just like fast-forward to that point. Yes. And just watch through all of that. And it also, like with the whole Casablanca thing, I'm a little upset they took that out. I mean, I'm, I'm very upset they took that out because, like, there was a... Was there a piece that was supposed to be in Casablanca? Yes, because that was the um, Pepe Le Pew moment. Oh, okay. He was flirting with... Uh, Ilsa? Yes. Ilsa Lund? Yes, at the bar. Okay, I would have liked to see that. I also kind of understand why they did. Pepe mm-hmm. Le Pew is a problematic character at best. But it, you have to acknowledge it. Is them just taking it out means they're not acknowledging like well yeah I mean if if the if, problem yeah which I, I think some some studios will just choose to do that yes so which eh, fair yeah I mean as a Disney whore no company does that better than Disney that's true yeah so like I understand <laughs> I don't, what do you mean what 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 is Song of the South we don't know what this I've is I've never We've heard ne- of that never heard of it what yeah. Splash Mountains from it I have no idea what you you're mean talking Princess about. and the Frog Mountain yeah <laughs> no idea what you're referring to right yeah. Uh, but yeah, the movie, I was, like I said, I want to like it. I really do. It's great for kids. I think like if you have a kid or like a niece or a nephew or a cousin, take them because it's a great kids movie, mm-hmm. but it is not, they might have the nostalgia for it that we have for the original Space Jam. Uh, but I think the original one is just infinitely better. Okay. Which is kind of a pretty low bar to be yes. honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good. I don't have to see it. Fantastic. Yeah. And now neither does anybody else. Great. <laughs> Go see Black Widow and said it's better. Oh, Black Widow is better. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. We should have talked about that. We probably should have. Yeah. yeah. Well, later. Yeah. Black Widow is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Came out too late. It did. Yeah. Yeah. It should have come out right after Civil War. Yes. Would have been better. S- exact same movie came out of Civil War. Would have liked it more. Mm-hmm. I still liked it, though. Well, um, the Weekly Planet made a good comment of what if it came out between Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, with the yeah. way the the, the, the post credit scene, yeah, yeah. that would have been I, crazy. Yeah, it probably would have been. I still think it would have been better if it had come out right after Civil War. I think it still would have been the best timing for it. Absolutely. And obviously, you could have to do a different button on the end. Um, but no, I had a fun time with it. Me too. It's, it's basically like a Mission Impossible movie on a Marvel level, on yeah. Marvel scale. Yeah, Marvel's getting really good at just copying other franchises. Yeah, with it, Doctor Who Loki. Exactly. I, I will. I will say this. It it felt the least marvely of a marvel film in a long time in a good way and if that's an indication of where phase four is going is that it's going to feel more standalone and it's going to lean more heavily into genre and be a little more um individually distinct then that's exciting for me yeah Yeah. i know especially with that after loki like i made the comment to a few friends like how the fuck do we go 
from what we just saw to Hawkeye. Yeah, I know. Oh my gosh. Oh, I have thoughts on Loki too, but we're 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 out of time. I know. Yeah. Uh, I I will say this overall, Loki. Eh. I liked it. I really liked it. Okay. Um, a lot of treading water in that episode or the shows in that show. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just setting up. Yeah. It's, a lot. Yeah. So. yeah. Mm. Um, all right. But I only have a, one more quick plug and it's a, actually a guest appearance. Oh, I was on the, I do remake podcast with Sam Gash, a oh. uh, friend of the show, former guest of the show. I was talking with Sam yesterday. He's just, just a delight. He is. He might be the closest real person I know to like a Ted Lasso. Yes. He's just the nicest, nicest person. Mm-hmm. Love him to death. But I was on, I had to remake, and we covered the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Ooh. Yes, that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from 2003. The movie, so bad, it forced Sean Connery into retirement. I have never seen it. <laughs> You're not really missing out. Okay. I, I It's on my list. I want to see it, because I've heard that from so many people. It's it's bad. It's, Is it, like, fun bad or, like, bad bad? Um, I, Look, I'll say this. Like, could this be a BFC movie? Yes. Okay. It would be good. It would be a good Burger Fan Club movie. Something dumb to put on and, and watch and kind of make fun of. Because I, I will say this, I saw it as a kid and liked it. Because in two thousand and three, I had terrible taste in film. Mm-hmm. Uh, who am I talking to on that? <laughs> Honestly, I had just watched Tokyo Drift. <laughs> just yeah, you yeah you 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 love Tokyo Drift. Who am I talking to? Um, I had fun rewatching it now as an adult. Okay. Um, it is so dumb, but I will say this: the concept is really really good and some of the production design of the movie is really good and maybe the first half is not bad but certainly the latter half is most of the acting is pretty terrible there's a good reason shane west like never did anything else ever again but it was a fun concept to then try and find a way to do as a remake we had a really fun time in that conversation so nice. it's, it's worth checking out yeah and so that uh that episode is uh now out as of the time this drops so go check it out and then also get yeah, go watch black widow yeah it's good it's good and watch loki too it's good yes slash you'll, you'll need to watch it but ted lasso first but te- yes above all else well because season two is next week yes uh well actually when this comes out that week possibly. season two is this week this week maybe or it's already out who knows it's episodic yes. so it's it will be week to week yes yeah. Um, whenever this episode drops, Ted Lasso comes out on the 23rd of July. So there go. <laughs> go with that. Uh, but yeah, above all else, go watch Ted Lasso. It'll just inspire you to go be nice to people. Yeah. And we need a lot of that right now. We really, really do. Mm-hmm. So go do that. Uh, but yeah, I think that does it for us. I think we did it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you as always for listening. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You can find me at Lordafor. What was that? Lord of Fur. Lord of Fur. Lord of Fur. Lord O Fur. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty much on Instagram. That's it. Great. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see my face, you can find that at Cam Dexter underscore Adventures. And if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. Yay! Uh, I have a music video coming out soon. That's right, you do! Yeah. You survived. It, it's, it's still in the process. Okay. I also had a music video come out when we were on hiatus. That's what you did, uh, yeah. Yeah, go watch Starting Now by Brandy uh, yeah. in the video. Send me those links. I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never send them to me. I'll hunt them down. No, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go hunt them down. Um, but yeah, so our next episode will be, as we mentioned, This Little Piggy. Very, Incredible. Very excited for that. We've been 
boasting about this episode for years. Long, long time. And then also uh, Fearful Symmetry, a.k.a. the Galante episode, yes. which is a pretty important episode in the overall arc of the DCAU. Very much looking forward to both of those. Um, but yeah, that's it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Beautiful. It's awful. I love it.